Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Golf Bag Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Matthews, and this week is previewing the 2021 British Open, otherwise known as the Open Championship. Um, last week was the John Deere Classic, Lucas Glover winning, and now he heads across the pond, I guess, if he decides to. Um, this is Sunday night. I don't know if he's deciding to go or not, but uh, with all the COVID restrictions, we're seeing a lot of people start to withdraw or drop out of the tournament, which is kind of sad in, in one hand. Um Definitely for the tournament, but for people, I kind of get it. So Bubba, I think I saw earlier today, withdrew. So um, that's a side note. But yeah, we'll be talking about the British Open a little bit later in this show. Uh, a lot of stuff to cover. And uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. So first thing I want to talk about is, A, if you're not already, please follow us at Fantasy Golf Bag on Twitter. Um, and also myself at Red Kachik. That always helps. And if you would have noticed, yesterday, Saturday... Um, July 10th, we, we posted our new listener league. So the listener league for this podcast is back up, um, this week for the British open, it's a smaller pool in terms of the size of the entrance and the dollar value. It's a $3 entry hunter man on DraftKings. Again, you can find the link on that tweet. If you just search fantasy golf bag on Twitter, you can find it or myself. Um, and I'll also include in the show notes of this podcast. So go please, you know, reserve an entry, enter that one. Um, and additionally, the prizes, you know, as of news, are NFTs from Fantasy Golf Bag. So any of those people that are in the NFT space uh, that got sucked into the terrible fall of NBA Top Shot, rip. Uh, hopefully that comes back up so I can get my $10 back. But uh, <laughs> NFTs in terms of CryptoPunks, Board Ape Yacht Club, I've seen Panda Golfers, just anything under the sun you can probably imagine, and that's an NFT. Um, but fantasy golf bag is now a part of the NFT community. Uh, it has an NFT as two NFT tokens actually. And in this tournament for the listener league, the top three finishers will each receive one of these fantasy golf bag fringe tokens. So you can go to openc.io. that's open C like the C S E A dot I O. If you search fantasy golf bag, you can find our two collections. One is a, a, a normal mint. And the other is a very limited edition, 100 mints. Um, it's called the Fringe Token, and that's what we will be giving away for the Listener League top three finishers this week. So please go fill that up um, as quickly as possible. And again, the top three finishers will receive that. I think right now it's around 0.3 ETH for the price per token, which is nice. Um, and hopefully those... Uh, the idea behind the NFTs, again, is... Uh, I want to create something with Fantasy Golf Bag right now. There's there's no paid subscriptions. You can't buy anything. I'm not really selling anything. I'm writing articles, and you know I want you guys to read my articles in terms of golf instruction or golf equipment, etc. And obviously, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna charge for that. But I'd like to create a, a you know, kind of recreate the community around Fantasy Golf Bag that provides an opportunity for people to get together, whether they redeem the tokens for. Uh, merchandise, equipment, uh, trips, you know, maybe we do a fancy golf bag. Um, I don't know, a, a convention at some point in, in Scottsdale, Arizona or Orlando, Florida, something like that. That would be really cool. And I want to have that opportunity through NFTs, which would be super easy to, to track. And, you know, if fancy golf bag continues to grow. Um, then those NFTs will actually be become more, more expensive, which is great. It, it becomes more valuable to the person that bought into fancy golf bag early. And that's that's huge for me. So, um, so yeah, go check out the tweet at Fantasy Golf Bag on Twitter and enter the Listener League this week for the for the British Open. Second thing up is 
This podcast is sponsored by Vizzy. Vizzy is not just another hard seltzer. It is also uh, the only hard seltzer with vitamin C antioxidants. It is made with acerola cherry fruit, and you can find it at any of your local convenience stores or grocery stores nearby. They have tons of flavors, even lemonade, anything that you want. And again, it's the only fruit that provides a little extra health benefits than you can normally get in a hard seltzer. And always 100 calories, 5% alcohol by volume. Please drink responsibly. And that's it. All right, Vizzy. Go buy some Vizzy. Um, so yeah, so <laughs> we have several other topics to get to today. Um, the thing I did want to talk about is the last couple articles on Fantasy Golf Bag. So I'm going to do a show about green, or not a show, an actual YouTube video. So you can actually see the green reading books. Um, but the last couple of articles on the on the website had to do with golf instruction, had to do with the top three launch monitors on a budget. So I included the Mevo, some reviews on the Mevo, and a couple other alternatives that are, I think, down to like 200 bucks or 180 bucks. And um, please check that out, along with the Golf Pride review of their new Align Grips and the Arcos Golf Caddy review, which is an app, and you can put some stuff into your golf clubs, these sensors into your golf clubs, and it gives you some data on you know where you're losing strokes on the golf course. Uh, I think it provides strokes gain data still. Um, so spoiler, I'm not using it anymore, but you can read the article on what it does provide and why I am not using it currently. Um, but a lot of good stuff. So please visit fantasygolfbag.com for all that stuff. Alrighty. Let's talk about the green reading books. So I'm going to do a video and I'm going to highlight. So uh, another company reached out to me talking about their, uh, their green reading book. So right now I have three companies. So if anybody's listening here that has you know, works for another company or knows of another company that does it. Uh, right now it's Stracaline, Golf Logics, and Putt View Books. So I'm waiting for the Putt View Books, uh, Yardage Book, and Green Reading Book to come in this week. And then I'm going to do a, a video and a review of all three. But uh, yeah, I, I think people were interested in what I, I honestly didn't think the tweet would be well received. I don't know how many people play golf and really if you're not playing at a, a, a somewhat of a high level or you know, taking your time to play not even playing for money, just, you know, go really take the time to go practice and then play and, and work on lowering your scores. You know, a green reading book's probably not the best thing for you, but I did want to talk about a little bit, you know, what, what it does do. Um, so I think the first time that I got to use a green reading book was back in 2008 in, in U.S. Open qualifying. There's a course nearby that had a a Nike tour event, which is it turned into the web.com and then the corn Ferry tour. Um, so I was able to get a book from a player that played in that event and it was really cool. I mean, I, I don't think I was good enough at the time to use it properly. Um, and then again, I used it in Q school was moderately helpful. I just didn't play well enough, but again, I don't think I was probably using it properly. And after kind of looking more into it and recently, you know, trying to play in some tournaments and think of where I'm losing strokes and what I can do to at least maybe not give me an edge, but at least eliminate losing an edge to other players and green reading books, I thought was a good opportunity to, especially when you're playing courses you don't know very well. So that's kind of the, the caveat there is, you know, if you're playing a court, if you're a member at a golf course, wherever you are, and you play there two times a week, three times a week, four times a week, whatever it is, even once a week, but you're always playing the same course. A green reading book, I mean, I would still say check one out. I think it would be cool for you to kind of get an idea of like, yeah, I, I, 
you know, I only had this putt a couple times so far and I keep misreading it. I read the book and now it says it does go left. And now I, you know, feel confident that it's going to go left whenever I have that putt in the future. Um, but this was more of, you know, if I'm playing tournaments, I'm usually playing one practice round at, at the most. Maybe I've played the course before sometime, but again, you're not playing it, you know, 20 times and having a bunch of different putts and kind of remembering that this one always looks like it goes left and it breaks right actually. So I thought the putt view, uh, or I, I thought the green reading books would actually be very beneficial for some of these tournaments. And, and, it, and it really was, um, so I'll give you a kind of a quick overview of what it does show and how it impacted me at least. And then I'll do the video again later uh, this next week or the following week showing you what it looks like and how to use it visually, you know, instead of a podcast. So again, the, the, the green reading books, there's different ones that show more detail. And again, I'll go through that in the review. But generally speaking, so if you're playing a golf course that you've never played before, you can see generally the golf you know a hole breaks to the right or you know a green is breaking to the right from where you are to the pin but there's a lot of cases where maybe you see a little break and it's pretty flat or maybe you see if you're playing in the mountains or something like that it looks like it breaks right but the larger hill is to the right and it actually goes left and that's what I found with this one so there the course that I played this last week where I used it there was a lot of I don't want to say flat areas but lower grade slopes so where you know if I had a 10 footer it would maybe move a ball so very very minimal break and this basically showed me that which was nice uh it shows me the slopes obviously going you know uphill or downhill left or right whatever but the biggest impact I had was there were several putts I remember where I looked at the book and I knew where I was on the on the green map obviously and I knew where the pin was I could see okay this is showing me all white there's either no break at all, or it's very, very flat. So if I'm looking at it thinking, oh, it's a right edge putt, and it's telling me it's pretty flat, now I feel more confident to play it inside the hole or even straight. And each of those putts I made, so that again, it's kind of positive validation there. But it, it really helped me on a course that I haven't played much of. I only played this golf course once before. And again, the general slopes, you can see, a, a, you know, an the green is breaking to the right because you're 30 feet away and there's a big mound to the left. Yeah, you're going to see that. It's not hard. But putts that are like fairly flat or you just want a little bit more confirmation. Like, man, this really feels like it goes hard left. And you look at it like, oh, yeah, it's it's showing me a lot of arrows to the left. Um, I feel more confident now from five feet playing it outside the hole. It's going to rip left. So that's what really benefited me. Yard, the yardage book part of it. Not so much. I mean, in these tournaments, we're all using range finders. Um, the the yardage part of the book, the general part, like you th- you see guys on the PGA Tour, they're marking the golf course from the fairway. I, I can use that, but I did use it because you can mark the pin and get an idea. Like, okay, I got it five from the five from the right. It's four on. Oh man, it's literally there's a finger there on the green, and if I go five yards past the pin, I'm in a bunker. So I need to stay left of this from you know 130 yards, whatever it is. That actually helps out quite a bit. So I, I used it 100% for greens in terms of green reading and pin placement kind of strategy into the green. So again, the, the three the three companies that I'm using to review are Strokaline Golf Logics with an X and Putt View Books. And so, like I said, I'll do a review. But so far, they're all they're all fine. Um, they're all different price points, so keep that in mind. But I think it's been very beneficial for me when I played these few the few courses recently where I haven't had much experience seeing the breaks 
visually and it kind of just it just gives you confirmation bias in your in your mind that like okay i see a breaking a little bit left this is telling me it's breaking a little bit left now i feel more confident over over the putt um and then after that it's just a matter of hitting a good putt so more to be more to be seen on that i'll i'll do the video but it was very helpful so if you have the opportunity to check one out already um i would encourage you just to try it i, I do think it would help even on your home course just to create some validation in in the putts that you are reading so next up on the list um the the fantasy golf bag shop shop.fantasygolfbag.com is back up I, I for some reason it came down it was crashing and someone emailed me and uh it's back up so we'll be restocking some of the t-shirts but you can check out everything there at shop at fantasygolfbag or sorry shop.fantasygolfbag.com and uh, if you have any requests for for types of shirts or hoodies or whatever, you can always email me. Right now, it's just t-shirts. Um, we used to have polos, but we didn't we didn't sell many polos for whatever reason. I, I don't I mean most people probably are buying nice polos like Ralph Lauren and RLX and all this stuff. So don't blame people there. But yeah, so right now you can check it out. Shop that fantasygolfbag.com. So let's talk about the the British Open really quick. The British Open this week is being played at Royal St. George's. Um, that is in Kent, England. This course is super old, as as most Lynx courses. I, th- I mean, most of these are Lynx courses in, in England or Europe. But uh, this one was built in the 1800s, so very, very old-style golf course. It's a par 70, 7,200 yards it looks like it's going to play. Um, only two par 5s, four par 3s. The A couple of the par 3s look super long, so I don't know what they're going to do with those. Like... Like one says it's over 240, um, the other one's over 230 as well. But like if the wind blows, and I don't know what the the main direction of the wind is, um, it's gonna it's gonna play super long. I mean that could be that could easily be a driver if it's blowing like 30 into the wind. So um, so that's the golf course in like a snapshot. Again, link style course. We have a bunch of players that we don't have good data on sky does and again i'm i'm writing my article for ftndaily.com you can check that out and use the promo code drew and i think that gets you 10 percent off don't quote me but i think it's 10 percent. i need to double check um but sky will have a preview i think with like pat mayo and his podcast previewing a lot of the europeans so that would be what i would refer to because sky keeps all those stats he's all about him and axis are all about the europeans and stay in tune with who's playing well outside of the guys that came over like Gary Kigo and Guido, etc. But definitely keep in mind what Sky is talking about as we go into the British Open because there's a lot of good values. So that leads me into the final point on this podcast, the values. So what I did is I ran a quick model and I didn't use any of the stats from... I ran this earlier today, so I didn't use any of the stats from the John Deere Classic, and it's probably irrelevant mostly anyways for the British Open. But I took out all the Europeans that had like less than 20 rounds in our database in the last six months. Um, it's It just was too little, and, and it would probably skew things way too much. So what I did was I took the players that have a decent amount of data in our, in our database, mainly the PGA Tour, and and ran a model based on what I think will be very valuable, primarily ball striking wise for the British open next week. I ranked them by value, kind of their projection, my projection, and then value based on their salary. So that's what I'm going to talk about quickly. 
Um, and then if you want my full preview, that'll be later this week, probably Tuesday at ftndaily.com. And I'll preview a little bit more detail about the golf course and strategy for like the Millie Makers and then my top plays in each price tier. So this is kind of going to be a, a shotgun start in terms of all price tiers. And then my Tuesday article will be a little bit more detailed and more fine-tuned based on the pricing for the week. And, and obviously ownership. We have no ownership right now. So um, yeah, let's get going. So the number one guy in the database, or at least for my model this week, is none other than Guido Migliazzi. $7,100. I mean, he is he he only has eight rounds um, in the last s- three months, I think it is. I pulled last three months. So very minimal stats, but I mean, we, what we've seen from him in the in the U.S. Open and the Palmetto or, or the Travelers, I mean, he's been phenomenal. So Guido is going to be a top value. He's only 7,100. Obviously, a European Tour player, he should have a little bit of an edge in terms of the weather, any weather that does come up, link-style courses. Um, that Guido will be number one for me in terms of target. We'll see what his ownership comes out. And, and honestly, I think Sky brought this up a couple weeks ago with Garrick Higo after he won at the Palmetto. He was going to be super popular at the at the U.S. Open at $7,200, I think he was, something like that. I, I saw some sites project him over 30%, and he came in at like 14%. So I think there's a little bit of you know early computer-generated ownership projections Monday, Tuesday, etc. And then Wednesday gets a little bit flatter based on just people people building a bunch of lineups they're not going to just hammer a 7200 guy like in a third of their lineup so keep that in mind as well um the next guy on the list is abraham answer he's had a rough go the last couple months uh but again a 70 a par 70 7200 yard golf course there's not going to be a ton of birdie opportunities in terms of the par five so it's going to be a lot about par four scoring uh bogey avoidance and abraham answer generally is one of the top guys for that I, I think he's he's actually played a decent amount of European tour events the last two or three years. So he's actually probably not one of the worst Americans to to peg this week. And he's at 7,600, so a little more expensive, but his pedigree kind of calls for it. The guy that stands out quite a bit, number three for me, is Sam Burns at 6,300. I don't even know where this price came from. He just, from a value standpoint, he is miles ahead of anybody at 6,300. Doesn't mean he's going to play well, but at 6,300 nearly what $800 yeah $800 less than Guido Sam Burns being a PGA Tour winner plenty long uh good enough short game good enough irons good enough off the tee a great off the tee uh, Sam Burns shouldn't be 6300 so we'll see where the ownership goes for him but he's definitely one of the top values for the week Daniel Berger at 7400 I don't think anyone here listening to the Fantasy Golf Bag podcast is surprised $7,400 for Daniel Berger um, is ridiculous. He, I mean, he he was at 11K this week at the John Deere Classic, granted a terrible field. And I, I still, I, I mean, he should still be like $8,600. That doesn't make much sense to me. So yeah, lock up some Daniel Berger shares at $7,400. Um, a couple guys in the 9Ks that do stand out to me, Colin Morikawa at $9,200. He grades out very, very well. Uh, great ball striker, which is primarily what I'm looking at. Not a ton of reps on international golf courses in terms of link style, but from a 
from a ball striking standpoint, there's few better. So Colin Moore at Cal 9200. Jordan Spieth at 9700 also checks my boxes for a top 10 ranking. Um, just overall, he's been playing phenomenal. Won the British Open. I, there, I have a tough time talking up a Jordan Spieth because I feel like you're you're talking to a crowd that like wants to stand by the data and he's just, he's just so volatile. It's really hard to stand by too much because you feel like anything that he does well is a flash in the pan, like chipping it in three times in a tournament or making four 40 footers. Like most guys don't do that, but once a year and he's doing it every tournament, it seems like. So yeah, Jordan Spieth still at 9,700 been playing well all year, been in contention with, um, pretty much every single time he's teed it up 9,700 for him again is a little bit expensive what you want to pay but with the pedigree that he does have on link style um no issues with with Jordan Spieth here and honestly even the U.S. Open that he won was semi-link style like it was kind of hard and fast and burnout I I expect the course to to play similar to that this week so if you count the U.S. Open and the British Open he's kind of got two link style wins at a you know a high high level of competition. So it's not just like a bunch of scrubs. All right, keep going. Charlie Hoffman, 6,700. Definitely no surprise there for those that have been paying attention um, to either myself, FTN, or, or FGB over the last two years. Uh, Charlie Hoffman's always a stable. He grades out well at 6,700. Jason Kokrak at 7,200 is fine. He's, he's a little bit more volatile. So like for a British Open, I don't know if I really struggle to see him hang in there. I mean, he's been playing great. He's been playing great all year, but he's he's kind of more of the guy that you target in those, you know, twelve under par, fifteen under par winning score ranges, where he can rip off some birdies. He's not just trying to save par all day. But we'll see how the course plays. But yeah, Kokrak as of now it grades out pretty well. Um, and the last guy that I will mention is Scotty Scheffler at eighty two hundred. Uh, I saw an interesting stat as well from. Uh, Lou, was it PGA Tour or Lou Stagner, somebody on Twitter. And I think Scotty Scheffler was number two in terms of most consecutive rounds. I think it was eight of gaining strokes against the field um, in every round. So eight, eight, straight, eight straight rounds of gaining strokes against the field. Um, that's pretty impressive in majors. So Scotty Scheffler, 8,200, I think is fine. I don't love him, honestly, in the wind, which is really strange to say because he's a Texas guy. I mean, he, he should be able to manage his ball flight pretty well, and I'm sure he, I'm sure he does, to be honest. But theoretically, if you think about a guy that hits it that high, can kind of spray it a little bit with the driver. The the link style would not suit his game if the wind picks up, but he's played really well through to the year. Um, again, it's just a matter of getting the ball in the hole. I don't think I don't think this will be any issue for him as well. So I think that pretty much does it, guys. Uh, Again, we are right at 23, 25 minutes. So I appreciate everybody tuning in to the Fantasy Golf Bag podcast. If you could, uh, subscribe to this show wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave it a rating and or a review. That always helps. And again, you can subscribe or not subscribe. You can follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Golf Bag and myself at Red Kachik. Join the Listener League. Compete for the, the three NFTs. This week for the British Open, $3 entry, top 15 get paid, top three win an extra NFT, which is awesome. And uh, I think that'll do it, guys. Check back later this week at ftndaily.com for my pod, for my article and the live stream Wednesday. Until then, take care. Have a great week researching for the British Open, and uh, we'll see you then. Bye.